Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. I receive it. We are uh, in this series on abundant life that comes from the famous John 10.10. 10. I'd like to read that again uh, this morning uh, in the King James. Just, just a wonderful, uh, needed, so incredibly helpful passage of Scripture. And what Jesus says here to us is, is, uh, is, is so helpful to us because it brings, as I've been saying, incredible clarity uh, to our lives uh, and, uh, and also has within it the potential to bring uh, unity, which can be uh, almost impossible. But, but in Christ, right, all things are possible. Now here's, here again is what John 10.10 10, uh, says, Jesus speaking, says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It's so helpful because Jesus clearly identifies for us here one of the reasons that he has come and one of the great desires of his heart and passions of his life is that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That brings incredible clarity uh, to us because it, it helps us to recognize Jesus uh, because we can recognize abundant life. And it helps us to recognize what, what comes from Him and, 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 and what is working about His purpose because we can recognize life and that more abundantly. It also brings clarity to us because it tells us what the enemy wants to do and, and what his desire and passion is to steal, kill, and destroy. That, that is also helpful because we can recognize that. We can identify it. it hopefully, you know, if, if you have any amount of maturity or, or sense or wisdom, and these things are fleeting in our day, I mean not to offend anyone, it's just the reality. The further we drift from Jesus and, and His Word, the further we drift from any kind of wisdom or sense or, or clarity in our lives. But, but if you have any at all, you can, you can recognize that, that there is robbery and death and destruction and that there is life and that more abundantly and the two are not the same and there are clear differences between them and you can look and see what steals, kills, and destroys, and you can look and see what and who brings life and that more abundantly. That, that's why I'm saying it brings clarity. Because the enemy can deceive, and he can hide, and he can lie, but he can't hide the fruit of his purpose, 
to steal, kill, and destroy. His working brings robbery, death, and destruction. And he can deceive and lie and hide, but he can't hide that. Because that's what it does. That's what it brings. And, and Jesus is not trying to hide, but he also is clearly seen because what flows from him is life and that more abundantly. So, so I don't understand why anybody would want to not be in the, in the Jesus camp when all of us agree that we want life and that more abundantly. But, but the reason why is because, is because we, we can come under the influence of the enemy's deceptions and, and that's what it is. It's a deception. We'll get more into that a little bit here later. But it is a deception that, uh, that tries to hide under the lie that it brings life and that more abundantly when really it steals, kills, and destroys. Which, by the way, if you don't know, that's not abundant life. Robbery, death, and destruction are not abundant life. Abundant life looks a little bit different. Let me just remind you of what abundant life looks like, and, and that way we can recognize it. That way we can see it and identify it, and when we see abundant life and identify it, Jesus, that is coming from Him. Abundant life has got to be forever. It's, it's got to be eternal. Right? Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that God has set eternity in our hearts. We recognize that there is eternity. We recognize, unless we are deceiving ourselves or we have lost our minds, that there is life after this life that we know right now. That there is eternal life. And abundant life has, got only, has not only has to affect our life now, but it's got to affect our eternity as well. It's, it's got to be... Uh, forever. It's got to have a forever effect. So, so in doing that, we want to we identify some of the fruits of abundant life and we want to put before them forever. Um, I, know we've, I know we've talked about this, but let's just re- remember here a moment. Uh, abundant life is, is forever freedom. It's, it's not abundant life if you're enslaved, if you're bound, if you're prisoned, if you're chained, if you're weighed down. It's, no one would say that. No one would say, look at me, I'm, I'm bound, enslaved in prison. What a wonderful abundant life I'm living. No, freedom is abundant life. True for real freedom, and that is something, you know, here's where the unity can come into the picture. That's something that we agree on. We want to be free. Now, we don't agree on what freedom is, but at least we agree that, that we want freedom and that we need freedom and that God wants and desires for us freedom. That's, that's one of the other things I love about this is that, is that Jesus is saying, I, I've come that you might have uh, freedom uh, because I desire that for you, that he desires for us abundant life. He desires for us to be free. Now remember, it's not just freedom, but it's forever free, that we would be forever free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It is for freedom, Christ says, that I have set you free. Therefore, be free. You know, I I think we, well, maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. Secondly is, is fruitfulness. That one of the fruits of abundant life is, is a fruitful, full, meaningful life. 
Now, this is maybe where there's some disagreement. Uh, you know, a lot of people may not think that this is necessary to abundant life, but it is. God has made us to be people of purpose. We, we, we reject the idea that we, are, that we are just haphazardly here to just survive. Something down inside of us recognizes that God has placed us here, that we are here for a reason, that we have a purpose, and, and until we tap into that and begin to produce forever fruit, we don't ever truly find abundant life. And then, and then thirdly is, is friendship, it's relationship. We are relational beings. We're not living abundant life if we're doing it on our own. Like, like the worst thing you can do to us is put us into solitary confinement. That is, the, that is the worst punishment that can be given because God has made us to need one another. And, and we are not in enjoying or experiencing abundant life unless we are enjoying and experiencing wonderful, beautiful friendships and relationships. The greatest joys in life are wonderful relationships and the deepest Darkest, most hurtful pains are broken, damaging relationships. Abundant life, a, a, a huge part of it is relationship. It is, it is wonderful friendship. So, so we can, this is helpful because we can identify abundant life because if, it, if it's robbing my freedom, then it's not abundant life. If it's destroying my relationships, it's not abundant life. If it is, if it is, if it is rotting my fruit, it's not abundant life. It's the enemy who steals, kills, and destroys. It's not the working of my Savior. It's the working of my enemy in my life. So, so it brings us great clarity because we can see that. If we could take the blinders off, we can see, hey, this thing, or this person, or this idea, or this relationship is bringing to me death and destruction, and robbing from me, and not bringing to me abundant life. But this over here, man, this is, this is bringing to me freedom, and fruitfulness, and relationships. It's bringing to me abundant life. You see how you can identify? It's almost like, it's almost like by the fruit you can identify the tree. Scripture should say that. And it does. It does say it. So we can so it's so important, this is such an important, helpful verse to us because it helps us to, to identify what we should connect with, who we should connect with, who we should listen to, and what we should not. Helps us to identify what is right and just and good and from God and what is robbery, death, and destruction and not from Him. Jesus says, I've come I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He says, I want to get you out of this and bring you in to this and reveals one of the great passions of his heart. Now, now so entwined and tangled up in this uh, is another deep passion of our Savior's heart and it is for God the Father to be exalted and honored and glorified. And that is all tied up in abundant life as we have seen and, and as we will again see 
Now, we're going to get into John 15 again, and we'll again see that in just a moment. Uh, but, it, but if you remember, Jesus says that when, that when we bring forth much fruit, it is to the Father's glory that God the Father is exalted and honored and glorified. And, and in Matthew, you remember in Matthew 5 where, where he says that men will see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father in heaven. That, that, that our abundant life, our living abundant life, and producing the fruits of abundant life brings glory and honor to God. Now, now this is also important because this is probably where we get off track and, and we start to, to head in a direction that we don't need to head in. It's, it's when, our, when our passions get off track. So for the saint, for, so, so the Savior, passions, uh, two of his top ones, are glory to God and life for others. It's that God be exalted and glorified and that we live life and that more abundantly. These are motivating, uh, driving desires of the heart of our Savior. And so they should also be motivating, driving desires of the hearts of the saints. right? Because we, through the blood of Christ have entered into covenant with Him so that the two are no longer two, but they have now become one. You say, Pastor, you're talking about marriage. No, I'm talking about the church and Christ, which marriage happens to be a picture of. Yes, Joy and I, when we entered into covenant, before that we were two. When we came into covenant, we became one, yes. But that is a picture of what happens with Christ And the church, through the blood of our Savior, a new covenant has been established that we are free to enter into if we will. And when we enter into it, single Jason dies and has entered into covenant oneness with with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now, in Him, I begin to have His thoughts. I begin to see His ways. I begin to have his desires. The new life, part of the new life uh, that, that takes place in us when we come into Christ Jesus is the desires that God has for us awaken in our hearts. They come to life within us and we begin to desire what God desires. That's why for the saint, there should be a growing, as we grow and mature in Christ, there should be a growing passion and desire for God to be glorified. It should come over and outweigh everything else in our lives. That's why saints can't hardly not worship. You can get a saint in, in, into a into a not worship in church where the music is, is terrible and the worship leader can't sing, and they will still worship there. We need an awakening of, of worship in our lives, saints. I know you think I'm crazy and insane, but we must because, because our worship glorifies God. It exalts Him and, and lifts Him on high. We need the children to arise and worship. We need the youth to arise and worship, and not just at camp, but also in church, and not just in church, but alone in your bedroom, and not just alone in your bedroom, but when you're driving down the road in your car, you know, keep your hands on the steering wheel. At least one, 
but worship the Lord, saints. This is who we are. It is what we do. It comes out of the passion of our heart that my life must glorify God. And if that stays there, if that passion is alive and awake and consuming and burning within me, it keeps me on course. It keeps me on track. And I am not very easily deceived. When my passion for God's glory begins to wane, begins to suffer, begins to settle into a lukewarm place, then the doors open up for Jason to be led astray, for me to be deceived. You find Christians who are, who are struggling with deception and, and the lies of the enemy, you will find that a passion for God's glory has decreased within them. That everything and all things are not about the glory of God anymore. That other things have slipped in. We are a people called of God, chosen by Him to bring Him glory and honor. Wake up, people of God, and burn for His glory. Let something stir within you that He be exalted and honored and high and lifted up. In everything that we do. And then, and then flowing out of that comes this passion that comes from our Savior for the abundant life of others. Not only that we would live, we desire that certainly, but that others would find and experience and have abundant life as well. You say, yes, Pastor, we know. You tell us all the time. Yes, and I will tell you all the time because it's our passions that help us to stay on track. And when our passion for God's glory wanes and our passion for the abundant life of others wanes, we can be deceived, we can be turned, we can be, we can be twisted, we can be led off course. But if there remains within us a burning fire for the passion uh, of passion for the glory of God and the abundant life of others, it helps us to stay on track because we recognize and know that that is only found in Christ. Your life will not glorify God if you are denying and rejecting Jesus, and it won't bring abundant life to others if your eyes are not fixed on Him. It is found in Christ and Christ alone. And when, it's, and when we stay planted on Him with our eyes fixed on Him and our burning passion is for Him and we're running the race that He's marked out for us with our eyes fixed on Him, it seems like passions just grow and they don't decrease. That we run more and more for God's glory and honor and more and more for the abundant life of others. Where is this in the church? Where has this gone, saints? Where is our passion for God's glory? Where is our burning desire for the abundant life of others? What has happened to it? Has COVID put an end to it? No, sir. There still is a need for God to be glorified and exalted. There still must be a burning passion for others to live, for them to find life and that more abundantly. This must awaken within us. Wake up, church. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but, but you wake up. Let a passion stir within you for God's glory and His honor. 
and for the abundant life of others. And if you are wondering, if you wonder, am I off track? Am I, am I deceived? You know, one of the interesting things about the, about the Laodicean church, Revelation 3, the last, the seventh letter to the church, to, the, to that seventh church, the Laodicean church, one of the interesting things about that church is Jesus calling them out of lukewarmness and they don't know they're in it. They don't know. They're deceived. Jesus says, I say about you, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I'm on the outside knocking, let me in. And, and you say about yourselves, we have need of nothing. Everything is good. Woo! Praise God for his blessings. They don't know that they're there. This is why lukewarmness is such a dangerous place. We can so easily settle down into it, especially when we're prosperous. And we are. Why the American church needs to be on guard against this. We can so easily settle down into it, and it's so hard to come out of it because we don't see that we're in it. And when we're in it, we're deceived. And when you're deceived, you're open to more and more deception. So every now and then we, we may need to pause and, and say, where am I? And a, and, a, and a test, a way to tell, is where is your passion? For the glory of God and the abundant life of others. Where am I in that? Is, 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 is my life about God being glorified? Is it about others living? Life and that more abundantly. Is, is, this, is this consuming me, burning within me, driving me? And is it evidenced by everything that I do? And, and that brings so much clarity because you can see it. You can see it uh, because we can, we can identify and see the fruits of abundant life. So let's go to John uh, chapter 15. I first want to read to you uh, John 15, uh, 16, and, and what I'd like to I'll really focus in on this morning. We talked about freedom, forever freedom, uh, last week, and uh, it's so hard to not just talk about it again. But, but today, what I'd like to really focus in on is is fruit, because fruitfulness is such an important part of our abundant life and us living abundant life and us bringing glory and honor to God. Now, one of the things about, about fruit is when you read through John chapter 15 and, and you look at, at fruit in the Scripture, what you will see is that undeniably, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are passionate about our fruitfulness that God wants us to be fruitful. As you read through John 15, you see undeniably that God wants us to be fruitful. 
If you read you know, some of the parables, some of the end time parables that Jesus spoke in Matthew, like in Matthew 25, you remember the, the giftings of the talents to the three different, you, you recognize that Jesus wants us to be fruitful. And, and if you remember uh, Matthew 21, after the triumphal entry where Jesus approaches the fig tree and it doesn't have any fruit, and he curses it because it doesn't have any fruit and says, may you never be fruitful again, that, that Jesus wants us to be fruitful people. He wants our lives to bring forth fruit, and, and our lives will bring forth fruit. And, and the reason that it, that is the case is because He wants us to, to enjoy abundant life, and He wants us to bring abundant life to others, and to bring glory and honor to God, and fruitfulness brings all of that. He wants us to be fruitful, and, and those are some of the reasons, and, and I wonder, you know, that's such a desire in his heart. Is that a desire in our hearts? And I think that it is, but maybe it just needs to be awakened. We are to be, we are to be fruitful uh, people. We are to be bringing forth uh, the the fruits of abundant life. Now, John, John fifteen sixteen, uh, really has just caught my attention, and, uh, and I've just been thinking on this. Uh, um, and because it says something about fruit uh, that, that so identifies and separates uh, the fruit that is found in Christ from any other fruit uh, that you might would see. Uh, and, and, and fruit is so important to identifying uh, where things are coming from. John fifteen sixteen. Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. See this? Go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's to go and bear fruit. But it's not just any kind of fruit. It's a fruit that's going to last. A fruit that will remain. A fruit that won't perish. That's very unusual, isn't it? Every kind of fruit that we recognize usually perishes and pretty quickly. It's one of the things about fruit. Like you, you seem to have it and it looks beautiful one day and then the next day you look at it and it's disgusting. I don't, I don't know, uh, I know Lydia likes to eat apples and, and I, so I think she took one outside the other day and I found it yesterday. And, and you know, an apple can look like the most delicious thing or the most awful thing. I did not want to eat it. It was in the perishing process but Jesus wants for us fruit, fruit that will last. It's forever fruit. It's fruit that is eternal. It's fruit that endures, that kind of really separates it out there by itself and really gives us great clarity on the kind of fruit that Jesus wants our lives to produce. Fruit that is eternal. Fruit that will go the distance, fruit that will not perish, fruit that will not rot, fruit that is not devoured or destroyed or stolen, but fruit that will last. He says that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So, so we have this, we have this, this 
call of God on our lives and this desire within us to bear fruit, but not just any kind of fruit, fruit that is eternal, fruit that is forever, fruit that will last. This is another great way to take a look at your life and say, am I on track? It's not just, are you bearing good fruit, but, but the fruit that you're about, is it eternal? Is it forever? Is it fruit that lasts? I've used this example before, but, but uh, one of the things I love about, about my wife is that this is her passion, and, and, and if it's not fruit that's going to last, she don't want to put effort into it. She doesn't want to put work into it. And there, there was one time that her and Sarah uh, did a little business thing, and they went, they went on a trip, and, and it, was just, it was just selling things to make, to make money, and, and they really didn't make all that much money, and they went on a trip to, uh, to Tallahassee, Florida. Yeah, to Tallahassee. Florida to sell some stuff. They loaded up a trailer, packed it full of goods, hooked it to Tyler's truck. Sarah drove, drove with the trailer. Farmer's wife driving the trailer. Hey, she can she can like handle a zero turn too. It's pretty impressive. Good, good stuff. Some good stuff. Um, I, I know I know that uh, Julie can too. Farmer's wives can do these things. Zero turn it. Maybe everybody can. I don't know. Um, what was I talking about? No. Uh, so they so they. So they, they go on this business trip, and it has nothing to do with the kingdom except, you know, making money's not bad. I'm not saying making money's bad, but, but they worked so hard, came home exhausted. And she said to me, she said, I will never work that hard again unless it's to bear fruit that lasts. She said, I don't care all that much about money to work that hard. I ain't putting in that kind of labor if it doesn't have anything to do with the kingdom with God's glory and honor, and with the abundant life of others, if it's not about changing and transforming lives, there's, there's tons of good things that can be done. But saints don't get bogged down by those. We're laboring to produce something else. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will endure. Fruit that is forever. And, and, and if you see a saint that may be a little bit off track because they're, because they're laboring and their energy is, is for fruit that will perish and not last. Or, or maybe if that's all your heart and energy and passion, then you can identify where you are. That God has called us to a different kind of fruitfulness. It sets us away from the things of this world. We are called to bear fruit that endures, fruit that remains, fruit that's forever, fruit that lasts, that won't perish. There are other scriptures that we could tie up into this, right? Matthew 6, Jesus said, Jesus said, don't, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where the thief breaks in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust corrupt and where the thief does not break in and steal. We can, we can store up treasures and produce fruit, fruit that will endure, fruit that's forever, fruit that will last. It brings incredible clarity to our lives, doesn't it? We can identify not just fruit, but we can identify the fruit that endures, the fruit that lasts. And that is where we are to put our effort. That is where we are to put our energy, that we are to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And, and, when, we, and when it's eternal, that then is abundant life. You see, if you go and read the book of Ecclesiastes, 
The great frustration that Solomon has, you remember that, that book? Solomon, in all of his wisdom, investigates everything in this life to find out if there's meaning or fulfillment, and everything is meaningless. Everything, everything is meaningless, and nothing brings fulfillment. And, and you, if you watch, if you look, the reason why is because it disappears. It perishes. It's destroyed. It's stolen. It doesn't last that's the reason he says this is this is meaningless. This is this is meaningless. This is meaningless. Money, fame, possessions, accomplishments, relationships. He says all these things, even wisdom he calls meaningless because, because he, he's looking at the perishing of it and not the eternal of it. But in the midst of that, he hits on some things and he says, but there's eternity in our hearts, and no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. He, he recognizes that, man, there is a hope of this, and the hope of fulfillment and meaning in this life is eternity. It's, 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 it's so meaningless and unfulfilling to bear fruit that is just going to perish, but if it's fruit that lasts... If it's fruit that goes on forever, that enters into eternity, then it changes it from meaningless to full of meaning. That's why in Christ Jesus we can find abundant life because in Christ Jesus we live lives that have purpose that not only affect the now but affect generations to come and make an eternal effect in the lives of people we, we are able to produce fruit, fruit that will last. And this should be one of the burning desires and passions of our heart. Now, if we back up into John 15, I'm just going to read down. I'm going to start at verse 1, just read down through some of these verses, and we will see... Um, we will see some help here uh, in, in producing fruit that lasts. If this is, this is a desire of our Savior, I think that's undeniable. It should be a desire in our hearts as well. And if this desire is within us, then we will see and, and, and receive some help uh, in this so that we can bear fruit, uh, fruit, fruit that lasts. Now, before I get into that, uh, there's some other scriptures I was going to read, but for sake of time, I'm not. But I just want to remind you that that uh, you know in Matthew seven, it's it's by the fruit that we recognize, right? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's in in Matthew seven, he's recognized as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, after John 10, 10, you know, you move into John 10, 11, Jesus starts talking about the shepherd protecting the wolves. The, we, the way that we recognize the, the wolf that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, even though it's cloaked in deception, sheep's clothing, is, is by the fruit. And, and we've just discovered this, this fruit that is only found in Christ that is easy to identify. It's eternal fruit. It's, it's fruit that lasts. So we can recognize the enemy, the deception, the lie, and the deceivers that it comes from and through uh, by their fruit, and, and they're going to be producing fruit, fruit that does not endure, fruit 
that perishes. And their passions are going to be tied up in fruit, fruit that doesn't endure, you know, fruit that, that perishes. Okay. Let's read here the very popular John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Jesus speaking, saying that He's a true vine. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So, you know, I, I said that it's undeniable that, that God the Father, God the, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are passionate about us being fruitful. Here Jesus says every branch that bears no fruit uh, is cut off. Uh, a little later he's going to say it's cut off and thrown into the fire. I know a lot of preachers have abandoned that uh, kind of preaching, uh, but uh, shame on them. Um, we are, we're called to, to proclaim the word of the Lord, to preach the Bible. Um, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more uh, fruitful. There, there's, a, there's a whole ton here to talk about, so let me just highlight some of these things. Uh, one of the things that uh, is needed uh, is the pruning so that we will be more fruitful. Uh, so don't, don't back up from the Lord's rebuke. Don't back up from His discipline. Uh, don't, reject, uh, don't reject it. Uh, allow the Lord to move and work in your life and take things out of you that, that are not in you, uh, that, that shouldn't be in you. Uh, allow God to prune because it's His pruning work that's going to help you to become more and more fruitful and to bring Him glory and honor and bring abundant life to others. So, so the pruning's there so that we will be even more fruitful. Every branch that bears fruit, good, 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 good. So the Lord comes in and prunes so that we will, eat, we will be even more uh, fruitful. Um, it's one of the reasons that it's you know, so important to preach the Word of God uh, because the Lord uses the preaching of His Word to prune us so that we will be even more fruitful. I would not be a faithful steward of the Word of God if I just picked and chose and didn't proclaim the Word of the Lord. That wouldn't help us to be pruned and to become more and more fruitful. Verse 3, You are already clean because of the Word I have spoken uh, to you. This is, this is also such an important uh, part, important important thing for us to remember here uh, is that we are clean because of the word that God has spoken. Uh, just a reminder, we talked about this last Sunday, that in Christ Jesus we are free, that we are free from condemnation, that one of the things that the enemy is going to try to do to, to, uh, to affect your fruitfulness uh, is, to, is to burden you down with condemnation and, and bitterness and lies uh, but you are to remember that in Christ Jesus you are, you are clean and that there is no condemnation uh, in Him. Uh, he has spoken uh, and you are forgiven. Verse 4 uh, says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in in me, this is a this is such an interesting way that Jesus says this. Um, I, I probably don't need to highlight it for you, but very important uh, to us uh, bearing fruit fruit is to remain, to remain, to remain. That that we've got to be in Christ and we've got to stay there. If, if we're going to bear fruit, fruit that will last, 
It's going to be in Christ Jesus. And then he says that no branch can do this by itself. No branch can bear fruit by itself. And then he kind of knows the way we're wired. Like we don't really hear that until he really specifically narrows it down and hits us personally with it. Neither can you. Right? No, no branch can bear fruit that lasts by itself. And that means you. That means neither can you do it. Because a lot of times we've got the, we've got the idea like, like we're the one person who can do it. Like I'm the one guy who can get away with it. I'm the one guy who can handle it. I'm the one person who doesn't need Jesus. Come on. No. You can't bear fruit by yourself and neither can you bear fruit. We've got to remain in Christ. So, so this whole bearing fruit, fruit that will last thing, is not all that difficult. It's very simple, right? It's just remain. It's just stay in Christ. If you will stay in Christ, the true vine, if you will stay there, you're going to, you're going <clears> to, <throat> if you'll remain there, you're going to bear fruit, fruit that endures, fruit that lasts, fruit that is forever. The life of the Lord Jesus is going to flow through the branch that is you and is going to bring forth his fruit if you will just remain in Christ. The problem we make is oftentimes many don't, don't remain in Jesus. We've got to, we've got to remain in him. I don't, I don't know how that could be any more clear, but, uh, but he goes on to make it even more clear. Verse 5, I am the true vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now, we, now we've got more fruit, now we're bearing much fruit. And remember, we want it to be eternal fruit, uh, fruit that will last, will bear much fruit. And then he says it again to us, apart from me, you can't do this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You've got to remain in Christ. Uh, so, uh, you know, because we're so hard-headed, here he goes again. If you do not remain in me, uh, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. We've got to remain in Jesus. We've got to stay in Him. And now He, now he uh, gives us some more help uh, in this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Here, here's, here's what we've been talking about. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That when we bear much fruit, that God is glorified, that Jesus is proclaimed, and when, and when God is glorified and Christ is proclaimed by our lives, then we are fulfilling our two desires of bringing glory and honor to God and abundant life to others. Because where is abundant life found? It's found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
when people recognize that we are his disciples, our lives are shining the light of Christ and making him known. It's to the Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, so if, you know, hang with me here, listen to this. If, if, uh, <laughs> uh, I just said, listen to this. Remind myself of my dad. Um, if, this is, if this is a passion, the Father's glory, and this is a passion to show ourselves as His disciples, as Christ's disciples, if those two are passions, then this, that you bear much fruit, must also be a passion. If we want to bring God glory and honor, and we want to make Jesus known so that others live, then, then a passion in our hearts and in our, in our lives is to bring forth much fruit, fruit that endures, fruit that is forever, fruit that lasts, fruit that, uh, that will be forever fruit. And, and then the benefit to us is the wonderful blessing of a rich, meaningful, fulfilling life knowing that, that our lives are bringing God glory and honor, they're making Christ known, and that they are producing uh, forever fruit. So Jesus says if we're going to do this, what does, he say, what does He say is key? Remain. we gotta, we got to stay in Him. we got to stay connected to Him. we got to stay connected to our eternal Savior. you got to stay in Jesus. If you're going to have right sound living and right sound doctrine and you're going to live in such a way to save yourself and to save others, you know, that's 1 Timothy 4.16, you've got to stay in Christ. You've got to stay in Jesus. You've got to remain in Him. Now, what does he highlight uh, for us uh, here that, that are things that we need to remain uh, in. We've got to remain uh, in Him. We've got to remain uh, in His words. And, uh, and we've got to remain uh, in prayer, remain uh, in uh, God's uh, presence. Uh, so, so let me just you know, bring, bring a little bit of you know, clarity to that and, and just some help to you. And um, and say it this way uh, that uh, that there's there's three eternal things that are passions of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, that uh, that if we're going to remain in Him we've got to remain in these things and we can't we can't abandon uh, these things but these things are the things that that the enemy will try to to disconnect us from but we've got to stay you, you know if you don't like the word remain you got to stay connected. Here, and and they're all eternal. First is the the eternal church, the the eternal church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No one no one can say, uh, you know, unless you just don't know Scripture or believe it, that the church is not a passion of our Savior. And not only is it a passion of our Savior, it is part of who He is. It is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. We. The church are part of Him, and we, the church, are eternal. We will, the gates of hell will not 
overcome us. We will not perish. We will go on as the bride of Christ with Him forever. So if you want to produce uh, much fruit, fruit that lasts, fruit that endures, then the church has got to be a part of it. And if you want to if you want to produce that, then you've got to remain connected to the eternal church. If you see a drifting away from the church or a doctrine that leads away from the church or a person that would lead you away from the church or an activity that would lead you away from the church, anything that would cause you to disconnect from the church is going to affect your eternal fruitfulness. And the enemy will try and try and try and try because he knows, he knows that this is true, that if you disconnect from the church, it's going to affect your ability to bear much fruit. You say, well, pastor, I just don't believe that that is true. I know many people don't. That's what the enemy's deceptions do. They deceive us so that we don't believe things and we believe other things. So, so, so when you're struggling with that, you've got to go and look at the fruit. Go and look at the fruit of a life that is connected to the church and one that disconnects from the church. Or, you know, if you have an example in your own life, look at you when you disconnect from the church and when you are connected to the church. How is your fruitfulness? How is your abundant life? The enemy's going to try to lead us to disconnect from the church, but we must not. We must not and will not. One of the reasons I will not, right, and, and, and people say, well, that's because you're a pastor. You know, you're obviously not going to disconnect uh, from uh, the church. And, and, you know, before you were a pastor, you were a pastor's kid, so you had to be in the church. But there was a period in my life where I was neither pastor or, pa- I was always a pastor's kid, but I was out of the home, so I wasn't, I was on my own. Joy and I were not pastoring, but we never disconnected from the church. You've got to remain in the church if you want to bring God glory and you want to bear much fruit. You've got to, you've got to stay in the church. One of the things that has happened to our nation, one of the problems with our America is a disconnecting from the church. There is an abandoning of the church. The numbers go down every year. You know, I heard recently, I think, you know, in the, in, the, in the 50s and 60s, it was like 80% of the nation were faithfully connected to a church. And now it's less than 40. And faithful attendance is less than 18%. Disconnecting from the church, how's it going for us? How's it going, America? It's not going well. We need to, we need to remain in the church, and Lord, Lord, uh, Lord, help anyone and open their eyes if they don't see that. Now, secondly, is the the eternal word of God. It, it is the it is it is the eternal word of the Lord. It is the Bible. It, isn't it interesting? As America has departed from the church, that they have departed from the word of God. Also, disturbingly. Uh, among Christians and in the church, there is a departing from the Word of God. Uh, preachers are believing things that are not in Scripture and proclaiming things that are not supported by the Word of God. 
Uh, many Christians are in disagreement about, about many things uh, because, uh, because there is a, a departing from a knowledge of Scripture, a departing from the Word of the Lord. We've, we've got to come back to the Bible. Now, I'm not saying any of you have departed, but as a nation, as a church, as believers, we've got to come back to the Word of God. If it is not your compass, what is? If it's not the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path, then you're walking around in darkness. I don't really care what preachers say. I don't, I don't really care what Christian musicians say. I don't really care what Republicans say or Democrats say. What, is, what does the Bible say? What does God's Word say? If this is not the foundation that you're planted upon, then what are you planted on? If it's not His words that remain in you, whose word remains in you? We've got to have a revival in our nation of the word of the Lord. There's got to be a turning back to what God has said. How can we say in God we trust and not trust in what God has said? How can we abandon the Word of God and say that we still remain in Christ Jesus. He is the Word. The Word is Him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We've got to turn back to Scripture. Our children must have the Word of God planted down inside of their hearts. Our teenagers must have the Word of God planted down inside of their, of their heart. There's nothing more valuable that we can do than to get God's Word down inside of them. How will a young man keep his way straight? By delighting in the Word of the Lord. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. All three of those verses, by the, by the way, are just found in one chapter in Scripture. Psalm 19 says, says that, that your Word, Lord, revives the soul says that your word is more valuable than gold, than much fine gold. So if you had a whole pile of money, billions of dollars, much fine gold, and you had the word of God, and you had to make a choice, God's word or money, what would you choose? The word of God, hands down, every time, no doubt about it, because money steals kills and destroys unless you are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Got to get the word back in us. We got to get it back in our nation. We got to get it back in our lives to get it back into our nation. How can we get it back into the nation if it's not in us? Come on, church. We are people who stand on the word of God and proclaim it. Third, there is there is the eternal gospel. There is the, the gospel of Jesus' name. But we, we remain in the church. We stay connected. We remain in the word. We stay connected. And we remain in the gospel. We stay connected. If we get away from the gospel, what do we get away to? It's much, isn't it why Peter said, 
when Jesus said, are you guys going to leave too in John 6? He said, where are we going? Where are we going to go? There, there's, there's only the church, there's only the word, there's only the gospel. If we depart from that, where do we go to? What do we do with our lives? We've got we've to remain in the gospel and proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. We've got we've to oppose the lie and stand for the truth. The lie is that there's abundant life found everywhere else. You can find it in Jesus, but you can find it everywhere else too. No, sir. It's Christ and Christ alone. It's only the blood. Why would Jesus have to shed his blood? What kind of God the Father would do that if you could find life everywhere else too? No. It's Christ and Christ alone. It's he who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of of, of us was laid upon him that we might live, that we might have peace. He suffered and died. He alone is the only worthy lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth who can open the scroll, who in him is found salvation and life We've got to remain in the eternal gospel and stay proclaiming it because it's Jesus who saves, Jesus who saves, Jesus who saves. Christ and Christ alone, there is no other name under heaven by which men are saved. We are people under authority until they tell us to stop preaching Jesus. And then we say, what what shall we do? Listen to you. Or listen to God. We're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. We're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. We're going to stay committed and in and remain and connected to the eternal gospel, the only gospel that saves. Now, I'm about to pray. Everybody's looking a little restless. Just let me say this to you. I know these are not popular ideas, but who cares about being popular? You know, John 15, Jesus, right after these verses that we've read, he goes on to tell us that the world's going to hate us because it hates him. So you might as well just understand that. We're not going to be popular. We're not going to be liked. But in our not popularity and nobody liking us and everybody against us, even hating us, We'll bring glory and honor to God and we'll change some lives. We'll, we'll, we'll bear some eternal fruit. Isn't it going to be glorious someday to walk the streets of heaven with the eternal fruit that's, that's there because you, you remained in the church. Because you remained in the word. And because you remained in the gospel. And you wouldn't abandon any of them, but you spent your life connected to the church, filled with the word of the Lord, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name. If you will, if you will do that, you will bear much fruit, fruit that will last. God will be glorified and exalted. Everyone will know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Christ will be proclaimed. And when you're living your life and you know God is being glorified, 
And abundant life is coming to others because Jesus is being proclaimed. And your life is, is, is bearing fruit that endures, fruit that lasts, fruit that is eternal. Man, you are walking the streets of abundant life. You will know that, hey, this, this is living. Life and that more abundantly. You'll be full of meaning and fulfillment because you know your life is bearing fruit. Fruit that will endure. Fruit that is eternal. Let's pray together. Just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just ask you this morning, if, if you are not in Christ, if you've not trusted Him as Lord and Savior, all of, all of you here in the room and all of you watching online or, or listening, if you've not come into the true vine that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but this morning you desire to, I just ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if you're watching online and, and you've not or listening, just we just want to pray with you. you just, just pray with us. Just repeat after me. Let's just put our faith and trust fresh and new in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, I believe that you are the true vine. I thank you for your blood, that you were wounded and cut so that I could be grafted in. Jesus, I place my faith my life, my trust in you. Help me, Lord, to be in you and to remain in you forever. I declare that you are Savior and Lord, my forever passion. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your love for us. Thank you that you have uh, placed us here for such a time as this, here to bear much fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that will bring you glory and honor, fruit that will proclaim that we are your disciples. We pray, Lord, that you would help us, give us Holy Spirit power and guidance, help us to, to remain in you, to remain in the church, to remain in your word, to remain in the gospel so that we'll bear fruit that will bring you glory and honor, so that we'll walk the paths of abundant life and lead others to do the same. We know we need your help in this. We ask you for it. You're the gardener. Come, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you. Uh, do everything that needs to be done within us that we would be a branch bearing much fruit for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Go be fruitful. Uh, watch on Wednesday night. I'm going to bring a really special word this Wednesday night. I'm not sure what it is yet, but it's going to be good. Now, anyway, watch it, share it, like it. Uh, see you back here Sunday. God bless.